And again, let me just, uh, before we go further, let me just mention, as you go through this book by Pink, I would suggest strongly that you make notes. Get yourself a little notebook. Write down your thoughts. Write down the quotes. Write down the things that the Lord strikes your heart. Things that perhaps you needed to hear because you were struggling and the sovereignty of the God is the answer for your situation. Write those things down. Because there will be a time down the road that you'll want to come back and say, what did the Lord say to my heart? Oh, what was that? Yeah, you want to have it written down. Luke chapter 12, verse 1. We're reading the first nine verses here. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Also I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. May the Lord add his own blessing to his word for his name's sake. As I said a moment ago, our text is actually the verse we're committing to memory. First Samuel 12 and 24, only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he hath done for you. This morning I'm taking as my title the words, the right frame. The right frame. May the Lord bless it to our hearts. The word of God that is for Jesus sake. Before we go further let's just ask the Lord to meet with us. Father in heaven now we would pray to bless God. Points of our hearts and minds where we need to hear the word of God. Where we need to have it do its work. I pray now do that send up as I servant I pray that you'll lead and guide and for Jesus be magnified and we pray it all in Jesus name and for his sake Amen 
This morning we're turning to a passage of scripture that we considered not that long ago, though we were thinking really what we're firing in chapter 11. Today, though, we consider the teaching of the Lord Jesus after he had visited the Pharisees' house, as described in chapter 11, and had rebuked them for their great hypocrisy and self-righteousness. We must understand that the day which saw the Lord Jesus in that house was a day of determined violence. These people sought to do injury to the Lord Jesus. The whole time he was there was a time set to trap him and ultimately to assault him. The Pharisees had determined to do him harm and most probably to bring the same that followed The first verse of chapter 12 indicates that this chapter is a continuation of the same incident. Though not in the Pharisee's house, but the exit of the Lord Jesus from the house and his words to his disciples upon his departure. More than one commentator has mentioned that it is likely that as the Lord Jesus left that house, he did so while being jostled and pushed by the irate Pharisees that had gathered. However, as he was outside the house, recognized by the multitude that had followed and hoped to see him. They immediately rushed to him in such a storm that the Pharisees were quite overcome. And it is before this crowd that the Lord turns to his disciples and begins to teach them about the hearts of those that they had just encountered. They were the they were purposed persecutors. That was the truth about the Pharisees. They were purposed per persecutors. They were intent on harm. Yet the Lord says they are not to be feared. They can kill the body and perhaps they sought to do so. But they cannot kill the soul. Only God can do that. Fear him is the of Christ. Fear not the is limited. Fear God. Fear God. That is the same lesson that is offered in our text, our verse that we're committing to memory. Only fear the Lord. I want you to understand this morning that we're dealing here with a critical lesson. We're dealing with a comforting lesson. Here is a central lesson of the Christian walk. The words of our text, 1 Samuel 12 and 24, offer the right frame for going on the blessing. The Lord Jesus speaks to the disciples about how they thought 
and how they reacted to the certain opposition of truth. Truth will be opposed. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. That is going to be the way that, is, that you're going to see men act from this point forward. Fear God. Do not fear men. Was the message. And I say here's a timely message and a timely lesson for us as well. And so I a right basis for all our thinking and doing in the words of our text. A right basis for all of our thinking and our doing in the words of our text. This morning I want us to see three things. Three Each one being suggested to us by a phrase within our text. The first thing I want us to consider is heart. The right frame of heart. Only fear the Lord. Without a doubt, the whole scene of the Pharisees assaulting the Lord, and quite probably the disciples too, would have been certainly unnerving in many ways. These people that were doing, so to speak, were supposed to be just that That's shocking. Shocking that men who say their purpose is to bring men into fellowship with God would attack God himself. Further, if you think of it this way, these Pharisees were attacking their own people. Yet, they were still hell and venomous. They were doing, as the Lord Jesus had said, the works of their father, the devil. Now, the question that you have to ask in light of such a moment is this. How do you stand up to such a moment? How do you react? How are you to think? The Lord Jesus sees the need to give guidance to his disciples after such an unnerving moment. And so offers the words that we read. Verse 5 of chapter 12. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which, hath, which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. The message is only fear God. Our text says, only fear the Lord. Or you could put it this way, fear God only. The Lord Jesus is getting the mind and heart of the disciples on a very central, needed way of thinking. Fear God only. Now, we have to step back and ask our, what does that really mean? He says, fear God only that mean let me stress to you that fearing God is not uh, a point of uh, of fear on one hand and the absence of fear on another not it is a point of ruling the emotions the Lord Jesus isn't saying get a handle on yourself don't fear them 
God. You can't help but fear men who are vicious, men who are filled with hatred and oppose truth and oppose light. You can't help it, but you don't fear them to the point that it brings you to the place of denial of who you are before God. Always fear God only in that what you are and what you say and what you do and what you go are determined by who you are before the Lord. It's not just ruling the emotions. You know, you folks know that I'm a bit of a history, not particularly. I am interested in century particularly. When the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor the very next day, Franklin Delano Roosevelt stood in front of Congress and I was asking for a declaration of war. And in his Eastern um, way of talking, um, presented the famous words um, to us, the only thing that we have to fear is fear itself. Well, it sounded good to the radio. It sounded good to the broadcasters. Everybody took that, and they write it in the history books and all. The only problem is it sounds good, and you can't do it. It's impossible. Men cannot change the heart so that it has, at one moment, the presence of fear, and in the next moment, the absence of fear. It can't be done. That's not something we can do. The point is that we are to have a frame of heart, a frame of heart where the mind is on the Lord. Keep your mind on the Lord because if you as a child of God are keeping your mind on the Lord, then the emotions then are checked by the Holy Spirit and held peaceful. You say, really? Is that right? If, I'm, if I center my thinking on the person of Jesus Christ, or I put my mind on the providence and the sovereignty of my God, then the Holy Spirit will keep my emotions in check? Really? Let me read you a very well-known verse. You know this. You can quote this. Isaiah 26. But thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he in thee. That's exactly the point being said there. It's upon the Lord. The Lord will check the emotions. The Lord will keep you in perfect peace. He'll give you what Think of the disciples in the boat. The stormy sea. The waves are coming over the sides. The Lord's asleep. Lord cares so not that we perish. The Lord gets up and rebukes them. How is it that you... The point would have been... You men, if you had kept your mind on the fact that I'm with you here, you would not have had this unrelenting fear that caused you to panic the way that you've just done. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Consider him. Endure such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest we read and faint in your mind. The point of that is this. If your mind considers Christ, you won't be wearied and faint in your mind. If you don't consider Christ, you will be faint and wearied in your mind. This is not a mental here. Something where your heart will just stir up strength in my soul. 
Jesus is not saying that at all. The heart is kept that fears the Lord. Again, I want to see if you can be more specific. Fearing the Lord, what does that mean? I'm going to give you a negative example of what I'm talking about and then try to tell you it's the opposite. Hang with me. I'll explain. Psalm 10 verse 4 says, The wicked, the proud countenance will not after God. God is not in all his thoughts. The man who is wicked, the man who does not fear God, is the man where God is not in all his thoughts. So if you take that as the negative and you say, well, then what's the opposite of that? Then you have what the fear of the Lord truly is. Filled with the Lord. God is the things in the light that God is. And that God is sovereign. The fact that God rules. His mind is set up the Lord. My God is this. Perhaps we could have the words of Romans 8 and 31 applied. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Again, there's the framework for thinking. God is... God is for me, all is well. So the right frame of heart is the heart that rests in the truth that God rules. He is at hand. He is not afar off. All is in his hand. So you might have it said the way Paul in Philippians chapter 3 do not fear men who are like the dogs. Do not fear men who bark. Men bark, they bite, but they cannot destroy the soul. Fear God. That's the proper frame of heart. Now I want us to see secondly then, the right frame of mind. The right frame of mind. The right frame of heart was only fear the Lord. The right frame of mind is and serve him in truth with all your heart. That's the right frame of mind. Now it is certain that the Lord Jesus was warning the disciples about the doctrine and practices of those who did not serve in truth, nor did so with all the heart. And for that reason Christ condemns the Pharisees. He says in Mark chapter 7, Verse 6, And he answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Again, also speaking of the Pharisees in Matthew 23, he says, All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay on them, lay on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men 
Rabbi, Rabbi. The disciples saw firsthand the way in which the heart that does not serve in truth acts. That is the way of the Pharisees. Again, the point is, when you serve to be seen of men, you're not serving in truth. So what can be learned? What does serving in truth mean? How do you do it with all your heart? Well, there are a couple ways to see this. Because we are, to so, we are told in our text to serve him in truth with all your heart. So, what does that mean to serve him in truth? Well, there's a couple ways that you can look at that. First, you can say, you are to serve him truly. You are to serve him truly. If a man is completely and honestly given to a cause, it is said that he is true. That is a true patriot. Or that woman is a true friend. The idea is that there is no hidden, selfish, and gain-seeking reason for the to be associated with the, in the relationship. It is genuine. It is selfless. The serving of the Pharisees were utterly false. Every part of their service was for self. It was to appear to men to be something that they were not. Now it's interesting that the Lord does not condemn the subject of their service. For that was the law of God. It was their method and their motivation. And so I emphasize to you this morning that it is the will and mind of God that his people be true servants. Now, please understand say you are to be a true servant accomplish great awe inspiring things most of us will never be brought to the place where our will list us among the mighty men of David that's not going to be the way it is the little things the acts of love as small as giving a cup of water Award. So much just, you know, remember what the Lord said about the woman who cast in the mites into the treasury? He compared her. He said, she has given more than all these others. Because she's given all that she had. This will not be forgotten. Her heart was a heart of a true servant. Do you remember the Lord said about the woman who washed his feet with her tears? I'll give you another instance. And to me, I take this time I get up to preach. Do you remember the boy who was standing beside the disciples? And the Lord tells the disciples, These people have been long time with me. Give ye them to eat. And they said, Lord, how are we going to do that? You know, even if you had went out immediately to buy bread in this village, it would be enough to serve this crowd. 
And then the Lord, the, one of the disciples speaks up. Here's a lad that has two fishes and five loaves. But what is that among so many? Here's the point. The little boy gives his lunch to the Lord. How small is that? And this, this is the part where I say, I bring, think about it. Two smelly fish. know how many times I get up and I feel like, Lord, the only thing I have that my mind has produced is two smelly fish and five steel loaves. How is this going to feed anybody? The point of it is, it doesn't matter about your lunch. What matters is the Lord's hand upon the lunch. That's what the difference is. Again, the Lord is looking for servant. One who is truly given. The Lord desires truly Christian servants. And I'll say to you very plainly, this is by nature. It's a grace and a work of the Holy Spirit. Paul says that much. Philippians 2.13 For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Your service and what you do is guided by the Lord. Your heart is just to be one that is truly given to the Lord. The mind ought to be always asking of the Lord, 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 what will you have me to do? Well, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving Father by him. So, serving in truth is serving truly. But I will also say this, that serving in truth is serving in the truth. Serving in truth is serving in the In other words, I want you to see this, that service in truth is not that which is defined by men. That is exactly the way of the Pharisees upon which the Lord pronounced a series of woes. They were defining what service is. Christ says, no, it's not. No, 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 no. And define true service. God tells us the heart and mind that is to be in his servants. And he defines... And he does this work of defining by first pointing us to the one who was the great servant, indeed the truth himself. Isaiah 42, verse 1. Behold. I'm going to take a step back. What does the word behold mean? Hold in your mind. Consider. Behold my servant. Whom I uphold, mine elect, and whom I I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. So I say this. To serve in the truth is to have the object of your constant consideration, the Lord Jesus. And his mind toward the Father. Consider Christ. Look at Christ. Observe Christ. Behold. 
Christ. Look at him. See what he did. Did what he did. You know, compare ourselves and our service to other men. What happened? It will soon become the mark of frustration or bitterness or disappointment. Paul talks to the Corinthians about this in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. You're doing something extraordinarily when you start your father's service. It's a foolish thing. It's a wrong thing. It's an embittering thing. You will have no joy. Put your service in the light of the Son of God. Does this reflect the heart of Christ? Does this exalt the name of Christ? We are to serve God as God delights to have us serve. That's serving in truth. Let me say it again. We are to serve as God delights to have us serve. Now, I'm going to offer you a text that explains that sentence that I just offered. We are to serve as God delights to have us serve. How is that? Deuteronomy chapter 10 Verse 12 and 13. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God. We already talked about that. To walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. To keep the commandments of the Lord. And his statutes, which I command thee this day, for thy good. This is the statement. Here is the thing to see in his people. Fear God. Now, we already commented about what that means. He wants a people that fear him. Second, walk in his ways. Now, I'm going to make a a quick observation here from that very thought. That is that God counts obedience as service in truth. When you obey God, you are serving God. You say, well, I'm not serving God unless I'm out on the street corner street preaching. Or I'm not serving God unless I'm uh, I'm taking this uh, thing to the poor or uh, uh, no sir you serve God when you obey God and you walk in his ways it's very plain that's what he says that's obviously set for us ways he counts that as he requires it is service so <coughs> the third thing fear the Lord walk in then love the Lord 
devotion to God. You are to be devoted to God no matter what it costs. Again, here is the difference between what the Lord Jesus was warning the disciples on. Uh, you can fear the the you can fear men and you will fear men, but you are to fear God no matter what it costs you because that is the mind and will of God and that is the way to joy. We are to after him. And I want you to hear this. If these three things are seen in the life of a believer, then the statement of Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 13 is then the good of the service is always ours. That good of the service will be always something that we know and enjoy. So we have then in our verse that we're memorizing a frame of heart that we're to have. Only fear the Lord. You have a frame of mind and serve him in truth with all your heart. But the last thought I want to present to you is this. We have the right of reference. For consider how great things he hath done for you. Here the point is very simple. We are to serve looking at the things that God has done for us rather than serving that we might get for ourselves. Frame difference. To serve that kind of heart looking back at what God has done for you, not at what this how wrong it is for us to do service for God with a mind that we will benefit from it for ourselves that I say to you is no service that is a tactic it is the pharisaic way We might remember when these same religious leaders, the crowd of scribes and Pharisees, interviewed a young man. And they were asking over and over and over again, tell us how this happened to you. (laughs) He says, well, um, a man came to me and he said for me to receive my sight. Who was this man? He said, I don't know. I have not met him before. But certainly he must have been of God because we know that God doesn't hear sinners. What? Are you so... You're a sinner. You're telling us who God will hear and who he won't hear? Who do you think you are? Now wise up, young man, or we're going to cast you out of the synagogue. Now tell us again who it was. And he said, listen, I've told you. Will you also be his disciples? Well, we're Moses' disciples. Well, one thing I know, and here's my point. Where once I was blind, now I see. This man 
was willing to stand and testify for Christ on the basis of what Christ had done for him. He wasn't there looking, well, what if I, how, how should I phrase it? How should I serve the Lord here that I can get something from this? The Lord dealt with another man, a man who had been tormented of the devil in whom there was a legion of de- demons. These demons out, and what does he say? And show thy friends what great things God hath done for thee. Mark chapter 5. What's the right frame of reference? What's the right way for us to think? How are we to address ourselves in every way? How are we to look at every opportunity of service? Is the framework of our thinking as we approach doing service for Jesus our King? What is the frame of reference? It is this. If you look at what God has done for you, you are of the right mind. Let me also mention to you this. If you do look at what God has done for you, it produces two things for the good of your heart. Two things that you'll see that it produces immediately when your mind is set on the things that God has done for you. First, it produces... You say, why is that important? I'm going to make a, just a plain, old, simple, common, down-home I was going to say parable, a proverb maybe. And that is this. A grateful heart is a giving heart. Period. A grateful heart is a giving heart. The heart that gives thanks to God and gives out to others will be a heart that has been grateful to God for what he has done. You you understand, in many ways, this is the first and second commandments that the Lord says these are the great... Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and all thy might. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You when it's out of grace. Second thing that is produced when the heart and mind are considering what God has done is gladness. Gladness. And I want you to understand that what I'm about to say is an exposition, if you will, of a verse that sometimes makes us scratch our head. Psalm 100, verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. How do you serve the Lord with gladness? Does that mean that when you get into the church and you're, that everybody's smiling and happy and we're all clapping our hands and waving our hands in the air? Is that what it's... No. Not at all. We're coming back to the point I'm just making. When your heart is set, the frame of your reference for thinking is that God has done great things for me, that makes you a servant that serves with gladness. We might ask the question very plainly. What makes you glad? If getting 
makes you glad, you're going to shrivel up. There's no root in it. Gladness comes by serving the Lord. Giving and seeing God give to those who need him. Let me just give you an example. You think about Andrew. After he had been pointed to follow the Lord by John the Baptist, it says in John chapter 1 about Andrew, it says, And he brought to and when the Lord beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is... Here is Andrew. And how many others did this take place with? I mean, the woman at the well. I mean, um, how many others? Philip? Come and see! <laughs> there was a gladness when there was a recounting of what the Lord Jesus had done. And that gladness spilled over in that it allowed there to be the seeing of the Lord doing for others as well. In our memory verse, we have then a frame of mind and a right frame of reference. We are to fear the Lord, only fear the Lord, and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. That, I say, is a central lesson. And to do. And as I said at the beginning, God has given us a right basis for all our thinking and doing. On the Lord. Well, may the Lord be pleased to bless his word to our hearts this morning for Jesus sake let's all pray our father and our God now we would pray that you will bless this word we pray that you will use it within our hearts we pray O God that thou wilt let it be that which enables us to rise up beyond ourselves to seek the face of our God and to be able to see you working in our hearts and lives O Christ that we might have hearts that are fixed upon you minds that are trained upon the Son of God, thinking that has as its reference point who God is and what he's done. Lord, we pray again, thou will bless this word. We pray that thou will go with us as we leave this place. Abide with us, we pray. O thou blessed Son of God, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you.